Nom, nom. Track testing one, two. Nom, nom. And welcome back to another episode of Refactored, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck a little less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 030 on July 13th, 2021. Hey, it's good to be back. I know. It's a couple weeks off. How was your vacation? Uh, it was it was not. Wait, well, I have young kids, so I don't get vacation. I can go to a different place and be, you know, overtired and stressed out, but <laughs> not actually get a break per se. Well, I think it depends on the vacation because I mean, you OK, yours are younger than mine, but I've got an eight and a eight and a four year old. And so there's still plenty mm-hmm. of handful. Um, I think yeah. it depends on where you go and honestly, who you go with. Uh, you know, if you're doing the Disney World thing, that's that's not a vacation. That's a. No, that's that's work. No, no, that is that is hard work. I need I needed like a nice, long, hard week of work to recover after Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I bet. Uh, So we vacation. My definition, like vacation, you pick a spot, you plant your butt and you don't do anything for a week or two. To me, that's a vacation. Right. Anything else is travel or a trip or a fun time. It could be anything. It's not vacation. I feel like with kids, I don't know under six maybe you it's not vacation because you can't autopilot you know and our youngest is eight months yesterday so it was uh, so that's that's a handful no matter yeah. no matter what you do yeah no yeah. I, I and it was I, low key we had a good time we had good family time together it was fine but i came back tired you know <laughs> <laughs> well what i had you the, i i was the opposite so um they're they're self-sufficient enough that mm-hmm. my wife and I can relax and unplug. And uh, we were in a location where we could just chill. Yeah. Uh, and so I uh, was, um, we were, uh, we vacationed the Outer Banks in North Carolina and just rent a house and just sit in the house, sit on the beach. And it's one of those, nice. one of those big joints, like right on the beach. Yes. Yes. Nice. Uh, it's, it's good nice. stuff. It's really, really, um, it's really nice. Um, it's the kind of vacation where, I mean, when you go, the, the, the draw is the house and that's it. You just, you just stay in the house. There's, there's, there's touristy trap garbage you can do down there. More of it in the last, you know, 10 years, but, um, I've been vacationed down there since I was little. And I mean, the, the big allure is house beach. House, beach. Yeah. And which is my ideal. That's it. Yeah, like that's, that's, ideal. that's it for me. Yep. And yeah. so I had the phone off. I didn't look at work emails. I didn't look at nice. Slack messages. Like the phone was in oh a drawer. My gosh. Everyone else in the house, everyone else in the house, you know, went during downtime, you know, just lounging on the beach or lounging in the house, they'd pull the phones out, just, you know, looking at news or whatever. Mm, they weren't whatever. working necessarily. I didn't even do that. I didn't want the thing in my damn hand like i i wanted good nothing for you. to do with it good for, and that was too good for you for unplugging that takes it it actually it winds up taking some discipline to do it does uh, so i'm and glad I had you were to, able and the to set up the setup it yeah. takes because like i had to hand off mm-hmm. everything that i do on yeah. a weekly basis i had to ha- make sure it was all covered and so the lead up is a huge pain in the butt it takes time and you got to make sure you and i still for missed one or two things it wasn't a huge um was yeah. a huge deal, but you know, it worked out, but you have to do all that setup and then you have to forcibly, especially the first couple of days, you got to force yourself to, to 
completely detached and you know get your brain mm-hmm. out of that space and then you're you you know the first I, I i like to say uh you know most people take a week vacation i always encourage people if you can do a two-week stretch i highly recommend I have, that two i have week always stretches. wanted to oh it's i feel like by best. the end of it, it's the best it, because it does it does take you two or three days for your brain even to realize what's happening and a good part of the first week just to unwind and then I feel like this, and I've heard other people say this too, the second week is where you really relax and, and recoup. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, absolutely. For week one is <clears throat> unplug. Week two is recharge. And yeah. uh, the other thing that, that people don't take into account is the proportionality of your vacation to the travel time. Because if you're if you right. go for a week, you're traveling on like a Saturday and you're traveling home on a Saturday. So you basically have, you don't have a Saturday to Saturday vacation. You have a Sunday to Friday vacation. You have six days, maybe probably five and a maybe. half when you pack, when you factor in because the night before you're not relaxed. Night you're, before not relaxing, you home, you're not exactly. really relaxed. You're packing and you're cleaning packing and all up, that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, you're, yeah. The vacation is, the vacation is over. And so you're losing yeah. percentage wise. You have this huge chunk just carved right off the top, you know, for, for overhead. Whereas if you go two weeks, you have that that weekend in the middle and now mm-hmm. you're really able to like the proportionality of how much how much of your time is spent on travel just goes way, way, way down by getting that second week. Yeah. And it makes such a difference mentally. Like you, you come back yeah. in, in such a better mode. So I always yeah, recommend I, that if you if you can if you can swing it. And I know not all jobs can do it. And I'm really I'm, I'm happy and fortunate to be in a position where I can do that sometimes. Um, but uh, it's it's definitely worth it if you can do it. Yeah, I'm I'm blessed to think like I have a reasonable chance that I I'll be able to do that someday. It's not going to be this year or next year, but I'll be able to. I'm looking for. I've always have been. But I'm. I tell you what, man. I'm getting uh, I'm a little frayed at the edges. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. I have not actually been able, even for a one week uh, somewhere, I have not been able to unplug for probably three or four years now. Oh, uh, and I'm, I'm starting to. I, th- yeah, I think I'm healthy. starting to feel it. Oh, I'm sure yeah. you are. I guarantee I guarantee yeah. you are. And you just you probably feel don't in ways you it. don't even recognize. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be able to you've got to be able to unplug. And I mean, yeah. the organization needs to be able to go on without you. If you got hit by a bus it tomorrow, does. which very well, you know, that, that could always happen. And the reality is that, that the organization would go on without you if you got hit by a yeah. bus. Now, I mean, Absolutely. there's better or less preparation attached to it. You know, it could be a harder or easier transition for them. But the fact is, how long is the pain period after that happens? They'll figure it out. They'll overcome. They'll adapt. Exactly. And that's why I mean, a lot of people who who feel that way, it's I really can't take a vacation. They really need me and things like. Yeah, but it's it's important to be you know, it's important to certainly have, you know, have value in your role. But at the same time, a little counterbalance to that. Life will go on without you. World's been spending a long time before you got here, and it'll continue a long time after you're gone. For sure. And what I hear, what I heard uh, years ago, and it is absolutely true. If you don't respect your time, no one else will. And so and and I I believe that and I, I work that into my life and my day. I I have not to this point applied it to PTO. And I think that's that's wholly to my detriment and by extension, most importantly, my family, but then also the company. Right. If you if you're not getting time to unplug and recharge, you're not coming back the way that you're not coming back in the best mental state and everything's going to suffer as a result. And I um, 
because I'm the guy like I'll take a, a PTO day once in a while. Uh, just, you know, you got chores pile up and errands to run or, you know, whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, you know, standard fare because I'm around the house. I work from home. I've been working from home for a long time. And so, and I really don't mind. Like if, if I, uh, if we're sitting on the couch and it's 9 PM, I'll, I'll open up outlook. If I see something important email, I can give it a one line response. I really, I legitimately have no problem doing this. Right. Um, Sometimes we're in technology. You have to work a night. You have to work a weekend. Nobody's nobody's been out of shape about it. I really don't have a problem uh, with catching up on some stuff on a Saturday afternoon. That really doesn't bother me. Um, and so then, but but the mistake I have made historically is extending that into PTO. And I've said, hey, you know, I'm taking the day off tomorrow. But if you need me, I'm you know, sells good. Um, Mm-hmm. I'll check in. I'll check in on the chat system. I'll look at email a couple of times throughout the day and I'll wind up getting sucked in and I don't even get that one day kind of distance. And uh, I think I've decided my new my new policy moving forward. If it's PTO, I don't care if it's two hours to you know go to the dentist or pick up a kid. If I'm PTO, I'm not available. That's this is my new philosophy. Um, but that's not a new PTO, philosophy. And, you and I have talked about this for years that, you know, when somebody goes on vacation no, and my team. Good and, for thee, and, but and, not for me is the problem. That's your problem. Yeah, and and to a man, to a to a person on my team, everybody hears me browbeat them before they're taking PTO that I don't want to hear from them until they're back. Right. Um, right. They don't hear from me. I I cannot think of one circumstance where I have called somebody on their PTO. Something was that important and urgent that I had to break somebody out of PTO. I have handled things, and I I have not shown myself that same respect. And uh, and that's that's a that's a change that I'm making. I'm going to start because you can't you got you got unplugged. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> like I the, mean, it counts as it's as important point, for you as it is for anyone else. It is. It is. And at this point, it's been you know, three, four, five years since a proper vacation. And I like um, I don't know. I, I'm like the I'm like the grizzled old emphysematic, you know, uh, lung diseased, you know, grizzly guy telling you not to smoke. You know, like right. that's the one who, you know, <laughs> take it from me. Yeah. You yeah. don't want this. Actually, it's kind of, <laughs> take it's, it from me. You don't want that. You know, it's that, it's that right, kind of a right. thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's my, that's my public service announcement. Take your damn vacation. Like, don't respect your time. Um, I did have a shot. I did have a good shot of it last year. Uh, and I had, I had one issue that cropped up in the middle of the week and just instantly yanked me out of that relaxed mode. And, mm. um, it happens, you know, that happens, that happens. So yeah. then I come back, I come back and, uh, my PC won't boot. Now I want your opinion on this because I think it's power supply. I don't know if you've seen this behavior oh, before okay. while the, while the box is on no issues, right? I have no inconsistency, no instability. Nothing, no problems. Okay. Uh, apply some updates and reboot. Reboots are typically fine, right? But if I power off mm-hmm. and then power on, it doesn't always come on. And the difference, so what will happen, I'll, I'll push the power button. I'll see the lights come on for, I don't know, one or 200 milliseconds. And, then, and I hear some of the, the case fans and CPU fans start. Mm-hmm. And then everything shuts off again for a second or two, and then it comes back on, but quieter. And I think I think the the noise difference. And I could restart it yesterday or the day before, whatever it was. 
Uh, I had to restart the thing almost a dozen times before it came on, came up cleanly mm. when it did. And I get, I get blank screen. I get nothing like it, it comes on, it goes off. And then yeah. a second or two later, it'll come back, but it's quieter and nothing happens. I get no input. I get nothing on the screen. Like the, the monitor will go into that low power mode. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. And it'll just stay there as long as I leave it. I cycle it enough times and randomly I will get it to come on and it's much louder. I think the noise difference is the power supply fan. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's I think I have a bad power supply, mm. but I've never seen this exact behavior before. And I'm <laughs> you in get- today's in today's tech market. I'm really hesitant to just go to Newegg and find something to solve my problems and not be right because I'm going to wait six weeks for it to get here. And then it's not going to be the right. You know, I can't be. Is fast it, and loose with parts. Our, okay, like, so we we talked weeks ago, months ago about the 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 video card thing, which looks like it's easing up a little bit, but still really hard to find. Is yeah, that problem- everybody? So that, but the 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 milieu, like the the news, everybody's saying, oh yeah, it's easing up, but I don't really see that. Yeah, I don't. I exactly. I'm hearing news of it, and I'm not seeing it. There's. I read some article about how in it's like, China- oh, there's no, there's no. There's no inflation, but I'm paying more at the pump and more for milk. But there's no inflation. Like uh, everybody's saying it's easing up, but I don't see evidence of this in my right, life. Right. It's the, like the definition between a, a, a depression and a, and a, and a recession. <laughs> you know, it's a recession yeah. when your neighbor when your neighbor is suffering. It's a depression right. when you're suffering. When you're suffering. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I haven't I haven't actually gone to look for parts yet. Like I haven't I, I got it back on and then I had to get some work done and then right. you know, I haven't really looked at. So I haven't looked. I'm sure I can get a power supply but i was gonna say i mean do you think that the you think the supply issues extend to power supplies i mean i know we were talking about the you know the graphics cards and you know processors even a little bit but power supplies i i, I would be surprised i don't know, if it, I, don't know. I, I haven't know. i haven't looked i haven't looked i mean that's but like this but like i this buy one power me. supply per build essentially and then never touch yeah. it ever again <laughs> so yeah um but the behavior okay so the behavior you're describing leads me to two suspects and neither one of them is good unfortunately because when you get this really suspicious behavior it, you you tend to motherboard or power supply it's motherboard or power yeah. supply and it's going to be a hardware level issue that you're not going to be able to diagnose by running codes even sometimes because the yeah. thing is running fine it says it's fine and then it you know and it, you know it just- well which is why which is why i think maybe power because the motherboard there is no system instability while it's on or once it starts booting cleanly. It's mm-hmm. actually to get it to boot. Yeah, which, but the thing is the boot, but the but that boot button goes through the motherboard to the power supply and the motherboard has the ability to to shut the whole system down. Like it can do that during during right, the boot. So right. like I've seen I have seen faulty motherboards do that where you're trying yeah. to boot and it just shuts down. And you boot and shuts down and Sometimes because it thinks that sometimes it's a legitimate behavior, uh, you know, processor overheating or thinks that the processor is overheating, you know, so you might have a faulty temperature sensor in the in the mm-hmm. in the processor area. Like there's all kinds yeah. of different things that could be. But if you're hearing different levels of speed in the fans, <clears throat> different noise be? level, and I'm I'm fairly certain it is the power supply fan. Mm hmm. Because that's the loud that's the loudest thing in the in the box mm-hmm. is the power supply fan. In my case, uh, maybe maybe that's maybe that's enough evidence to say the power supply is bad that it's that loud when it's on. But 
<laughs> if that's if yeah, that is the loudest go. fan, I mean that's that. Could I don't want to test it. I don't want to test it because it took me a dozen tries to get the thing on the other day. I'm afraid I turn it off again. It's not going to come back on at all. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of hesitant to play with it. I'm sure I have a I'm sure I have a spare. I was going to say, do you have a pair, somewhere? Just a I mean, just pull a pull an old beater PSU out, even just to yeah. just to try yeah. it and see if it see if it boots properly that would probably be yeah. able to solve the you know answer the question really quick is it motherboard or power supply um yeah. so i have not seen that specific behavior but you know that sounds yeah. okay. sounds like hardware i think you're in the right space that's for sure yeah, yeah. so you've been trying no you were saying something way. you've been you've been thinking about what now oh doing a uh, rebuild uh oh. my works i'm actually thinking about getting rid of my workstation and just having a laptop and then uh building a better server in the basement and then just having a laptop for like, cause I don't do day to day, like software intensive. I don't, I don't abuse my, my workstation the way I used to when I was hands on keys. So it, it's really unnecessary for me to have this whole big thing up here. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. You know, I was going to do that last year and then supply went, <laughs> and then you know, supply went, went to, to garbage. Zill, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I hear you. I, I I definitely hear you. Hey, I've I've got a um I've got a random uh beef. This was something that I that happened right before I went on vacation. So um we're you know we're dealing with um I'm doing a bunch of vendor investigation for a whole host of different things. Uh you know so purchasing services and and applications and things like that for for our use. And so invariably I'm dealing with salespeople. And they my all, condolences. Yeah. Right. Uh, they all do the same thing where you have the first call and you answer their questions and uh, you ask some questions about their stuff. And it's it's a you know, are we in the same? Mm-hmm. Is this thing going to solve yeah. my likely to solve my problem, meet my needs, solve my problem? If so, you know, OK, then let's keep talking. And usually the next conversation is. I, well, should be, in my opinion, okay, here's what we need, how, here's how much it's going to cost, and things like that. And right. the sale, what I have seen, especially in formalized sales processes, that there's this weird, I'm going to call it the, it's not the second call, it's the 1.5 call. You think it's the second call, but then you show up, and what they do is they've got this whole PowerPoint presentation set up for you that describes not even what you talked about in the first call, but takes the information they got from you in the first call and then slams it into a, a PowerPoint presentation and then discusses all the crap that actually led you, in theory, according to them, to call them in the first place. So they, 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 they do this. They do this two steps back thing where they try and. I don't know, draw this path that led me to them. Why? I'm already there. I, like, I reached out to you. I don't need you to tell me why I got here, you know, or how Assuming, I got here. I don't I think get I it. know what that is. I think I know what that is. Uh, Assuming enlighten me, that, please. Assuming that you're not an officer of the company, I think they know you're going to need executive sponsorship. And then what I've seen more times than not is that you'll get as an artifact of your interaction that deck that includes the stuff they pulled out of call number one mm-hmm. to present to your executive sponsor. So they try to really it's it's an effort to really try to draw the relationship from ideation to their logo 
in a high level fashion, mm. speaking directly to that organization's challenge. That's what I think it is. That's not a bad. Um, I mean, that's a good read. That that makes that makes sense. I guess maybe then I'm I'm indicting myself on my on my sales process here because normally when when I when I have those calls, I, I either have already gotten the sign off that I need or I'm in the process of doing it, or I'm getting the information I need, and then I'm going to you know, take the bull by the horns internally and, and push this forward. I have yeah. never, I have never seen, I, I mean, this, this sounds really nice in theory, but I have never seen a situation where I can just take this nice, neat PowerPoint deck that a sales team gave me and then hand it to an executive. And the executive goes, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Here's a blank check. Like it doesn't work yeah. that way. I, I end up having to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, does, it doesn't work that way. Either you've got the initial sign off because it was their idea or you made them think it was their idea. Uh, <laughs> or <laughs> Frank has gone Machiavelli. <laughs> it's, it's we so do that in, in consulting. We full do that. inception. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, le- sidebar legit consulting tip. A lot of times what we try and do when we when we see a an issue and we try and uh, and we're trying to get them to do the right thing. Okay. So they're doing client is doing busted wrong thing. We want them to do right thing. One of the easiest ways to make that happen is to position it in such a fashion that it's their idea. Or even if, even if they know that it wasn't their idea, letting them take very overt credit for it. Even if you were the one doing all of the legwork, because then they can feather in their cap, makes them feel good. And now they're actually bought in. So it's it, well, you say very you, you have the intro call, you have the intro call with a limited audience. You say, hey, look, at, here's what we think about this. They say, hey, I think this is a good idea. Let's go after it. And then your next reply with a wider group is, oh, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it was a good idea to, you know, and you kind of defer mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, I think you win. You win relationship points. And it's not it's not about being smarmy or, or trying to. No, it's not. No, no, uh, no. Be manipulative. It's just it's like being a being a bro, you know, like you're trying to trying to do right by people people and because i think you're you're being brought in as the consultant that's recognized you don't need to try to you're not going to add the feathers in your cap are going to come from doing a great job and executing it well and making everybody feel like it was a good deal you don't need to force these little you know poker chips around it's not it's not necessary Right. right it's not but i would say it's actually not necessary even if you're not consulting even if you're internal um passing the um Passing the credit on up, you know, and and letting yeah. the uh, letting letting the the superiors be the um, uh, you know the originators of the idea. It actually, it wins you more points because you know because you know those people they they know they they know who who you know that you were yeah. at least mission critical in getting it done. So uh, it, it it behooves you to to just be you know very deferential to you know your boss and the rest of your team too because your team recognizes yeah, with that all too. of i yeah, give with credit all, of that all the time blame. yeah you spread it spread the spread blame around liberally and you want to keep the glo- wait you're, you're saying keep the what you're saying yeah, you keep said blame the- yeah yeah i see what you did there <laughs> well, I, 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 I got i got this backwards hang on where, which direction are we going with this conversation <laughs> Spread, spread the, spread the credit and, and keep the blame, spread the credit, keep the blame, spread the credit, keep the, oh man, that's a mind blow. (laughs) (laughs) What am I, I I've been doing it bass backwards all these years. Oh my God. Bizarro. This is bizarro Jerry time. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all I mean, we have all seen it go the other direction. And that's to me a, yeah. a, a pretty profound and immediate sign of of uh, of weak leadership. I was having a conversation um, uh, with uh, with somebody uh, outs- outside of outside of my my current work uh and they were um you know talking about uh you know somebody who was who uh had left their job and mm-hmm. it was a shock to no one in the company that this was the case except that person's manager <laughs> and so the, oh. the the person's manager was shocked that they were leaving and so my immediate reaction to my friend was so when is that manager getting fired <laughs> because yeah. it should have been the exact opposite of that. That's that's total. Yeah, I mean, that's backwards. Time. That's that's totally backwards. That would mean that this this manager is not looking in the direction at things that they need to or or is, in fact, intricately part of the problem. Um, and if you, you know, people <laughs> Like, you know, a lot a lot of times, you know, if you uh, you know, when, when you lose staff, they, you know, OK, well, why did this person leave and what are we doing wrong? And you know, there's there's that that immediate sense of self-reflection and you don't always get good, useful intel out of out of people because, I mean, these are very <clears throat> multifaceted yeah. issues. Uh, but and sometimes Not from an individual. What's that? Not, Not from, from an, an individual. individual. Right, right. And so what you can do. So uh, my um, uh, my my wife worked at a practice and at one point and uh, it had a tremendous, tremendous churn rate on mm-hmm. staff turnover year over year. Uh, the number of, of vets and and, uh, and and staff that they they went through on a on a per annual basis was it was ludicrous. It was ludicrously high. Mm-hmm. You don't need in that case, you, it doesn't matter what any one individual reason is. You, no. you see this huge trend. All you got to look at is the trend to know it's not them. It's mm-hmm. us. And you just have to do yeah. some self-reflection. Chances are pretty good. The first two or three things that you think of as what are probably the problems are very likely going to be the, the, the major problems, and you really need to fix those. Like, it's Razor, not folks. hard. It's not yeah, hard, and that's why I say that's why I say it's it's less important what any individual states. Now, right. I mean, obviously, if there's some like if there's some gross reason, if there's some you should cause that then you, I mean, you got to deal with that, right? And, and you should you always do an exit survey. Questions. Always do the exit you, interview. You, you exit interview. You probe them. You document that. You share it. You you know, and and that's all fine. Um, but it's less important what one person because one person may leave because of five different things and they may all very well be five valid points. And they're things that over the long term are less important. Right. Right. It's it, I mean, nobody wants to admit that, but that's that's true. Um, however, if I get two or three or four or five people over the span of a year, over the span of two years, if I have a group of people who all leave and are all consistent in that feedback mm-hmm. about what those five points are and mm-hmm. that those five points are being hit every time. That's where you have to start ringing the alarm bell because right. that's where it's clear. Okay. And to your point, this is a pattern. This is a trend. That's our top, that's our top priority. Right. Um, right. 
So, and it's, I don't know, it's tough. I think right now nobody's really going to learn anything about anything post, you know, I, I want to say post COVID, but like intra or towards the back end of COVID, wherever you are in your, your journey vis-a-vis that situation. Your but COVID journey? <laughs> not, COVID to be, journey. not to be confused with your DevOps journey. This is your COVID your cloud journey. journey. Your cloud yeah, COVID, your COVID journey. Your, your, your cloud you in of your COVID journey. Right? Your, your cloud um, of, of coughing and yeah. bacteria. Uh, so virus. I think what's going to happen to a lot of organizations, they're going to have a lot of attrition. And I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe it's because salaries have gone up at competitors. Maybe it's because people want to work from home and you're not letting them. Maybe it's for whatever reason. Maybe it's because of a core cultural, structural, managerial issue. And I think what you're going to find a lot of middle rate managers are going to chalk all of these departures up to COVID and not learn anything from mm. them. You're going to have this mass attrition. You're going to have this huge wave, the, the great resignation, they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody's really going to look too hard at the underlying reasons. Like if you have a good team, if you're treating people well, if they're bought into the mission and you have a good rapport and you're doing good things and everything else is in place, then this current and upcoming season of business should not be a concern for you. It really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. If you have underlying issues with how you're treating your people and how you're managing your business, then yes, the extant socioeconomic societal factors are going to compound on top of that. You're going to lose a bunch of people at once. But again, my fear is that like a lot of crappy managers are going to say, well, it's COVID. A lot of people are quitting and just not and, and not learn from it. That would be my fear. Right. Right. I, I think it, I certainly think it's possible for that to be the for that to be the case especially with if we've got this this backlog of people that we suspect have been have been just sitting and waiting for the you know for the dust to settle you know i was unhappy with this job a year and a half ago but because of the market i decided just to sit tight and wait it out now right. i'm getting, now i'm going to make the move so you're going to see this big surge that would have naturally attritioned over the last year right. and Deferred, be, deferred departures. Deferred that eighteen months <laughs> of deferred departures due to fear, right? Uncertainty yeah. in the market. Fud, and now that's catching up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it'll be hard because of that. It will be hard to read anything into it since this spike. Yeah, all at once. I do have, I do have an interesting. This was from, uh, I think it's one of the NPR shows. No, Odd Lots. Um, Odd Lots is a, an economics podcast I really like, um, and their recent episode, I haven't gotten to listen to it yet, but their recent episode is on the labor shortage, specifically in the in um, leisure and hospitality sectors. Um, I'm bringing this up like I'm going somewhere, and I, I haven't listened to it yet, so I don't know what they're going to say, but <laughs> I assume... <laughs> I, I, I presume oh. this is great radio. We're professional. Oh my! We're professionals gosh. over here. I thought. Uh, I thought maybe I, I you presume- practiced a little bit while we while we were on break. I thought you you know maybe read some books or even read no, some other podcasts. Very- Listen to some other podcasts no, be- about how to podcast or something. No. Be- that would be very off brand for me to improve myself <laughs> given the opportunity. No. No. Anyway, it's uh, now it's a whole big thing. I just meant to mention that recent episode of Odd Lots, and I'll I'll make I might make you know what. Odd lots. If you're if you're uh, curious about economics at all, uh, it's, it's a little overproduced at times, but that's a that's a solid augment for the week. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. Nice. So I'll have to report back next week and see uh, if there are any insights from that those sectors that uh, 
that may be generalizable. I don't know. Nice. Okay. Right. Good stuff. Yeah. And the question was basically like, well, we have a labor shortage and we have a lot of demand and now people are free to go back to work. Why is there a shortage? That's kind of the general question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, depends on the, you know, the staff, the labor shortage. Are you are you seeing it for for your? Oh, yeah. You I'm are? having a bear of a time. I have had. I have positions that have been open since January that I have unfilled. At now, this point. hold on. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Now, are you getting candidates for them? Are you interviewing people? Are you finding people responding or is it radio silence? Um, far fewer people than in past rounds of hiring and growth. And some okay. of these are some of these are backfills. Some of these are growth. Uh, so I've got a couple of roles open that I've never hired for before. I don't really know what to expect from that. That's the, you know, that uh, specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, the response late is, you know, I think my last big round of hiring was like uh, two years ago. Um, response weights, rates sound like Elmer Futter here. Response weights were much higher back then um, <laughs> than what I'm seeing now. OK. Um, and I don't I don't know if I'm, I don't know if we're doing a bad job at PR or if uh, just the market has shifted. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that there's um, I mean, the markets, I mean, the markets might have shifted. I think I think you're still seeing some of that that great. Uh, uh, what, what did we say it was the great resignation? You know, mm-hmm. you're still we're still at the forefront of that thing. And so there's still yeah. a whole bu- what you're what I ex- what I would expect to happen is, you know, you'll get a as the year trickles forward here, you'll probably start to see it snowball uh, a little bit or trend up, let's say in the in the latter half of the issue that's what i that's my guess that's my guess um but you know you're dealing with with high enough um level positions you know these are not these are not entry level positions and you know these are special in in some at some level there's some specialization some advanced training that goes beyond you know high school and even basic college. Mm-hmm. And so the people who are sitting on the sidelines right now because of you know government checks that are enticing them to sit on the sidelines, I wouldn't expect that to be holding the kinds of roles that you and I would hire for back. That's my that's yeah. what I would that's what I would guess. Um, yeah, because, you know, that that's not the kind of money that, you know, the, the people we would be looking for would be, you know, interested in, you know. So uh, that was the only point I was yeah. trying to make was I don't think, yeah, you're probably seeing it, but I don't think it's because of one of the major reasons that you hear a lot of people talking about it. You know, like, oh, there aren't enough workers in the market. Oh, it's because we're paying government's paying them to stay home. I mean, yeah, that's that's happening to a, certain to point. a degree, but I don't to think a certain point. Maybe. Yeah. And then you, I mean, you, that, that that's going to be under a certain salary average yeah. that, that that's going to be the case yeah. because they can, in fact, make more money staying home than going to work. As soon as you get past that salary level, people are going to be like, well, yeah, I could do this or I can go back to work and make a lot more money. So anyway, uh, so how do we get there? All right. Sales calls. Um, (laughs) 
Just total sidebar. Um, so uh, oh, what I hate what I hate about sales calls is the the insistence that we have to widen the audience as soon as possible. I'm dramatizing it a little bit, but you get on a call with a with a sales rep, and the first thing they want to do is know, and and legitimately so, they want to know who the decision makers are and and who they you know who they they're going to have to deal with either directly or through you. I think that's a fair. That's a, that's a fair bit of insight that they, you know, that they should, you know, they're right to feel like they, they want to be equipped with. Well, yeah, they um, need to know if you're the person who's like, going to be able to actually sign or not. Like, I've been talking to you for 12 seconds and all of a sudden you want to know if you can schedule a one hour demo with your sales engineer and like six of my organizational leaders. To, no, buddy, just calm down. <laughs> we're, not, right. we're not there yet in our relationship. OK, we just we just we just met. We swipe right. And now, you know, we're just holding hands <laughs> right now. We're not ready to go like easy boy. Easy. <laughs> I um that that one is uh I don't see that too often. Most of the teams that I've dealt with, the sales teams I've dealt with have been fairly deferential. They want to know if you will be the final decision maker. And then if you're the executor, those two things are not necessarily the same. You can have somebody who signs off, but if they do it on your say so, Mm -hmm. then you can be the decision maker. No, and I think that's very fair. So that's going to be signing it. Who's going to be paying for it? Who's going to be making the go, no go? Are those three, to your point, the same person? And and are any of those your roles? Right. And then who else in your organization? Are you the internal champion? Are you a conduit? Are you just a proxy? Were you drug into this? Or are you a personal (laughs) proponent of this thing? You're the one that's trying to push to get it done. Who's the champion? Internal champion. Exactly. And in my my role, I'm usually like decision maker champion, right? Because my group we go, we, we say, hey, look, we have this need. We go we'll explore the market. We say this might be the right one. And so I usually can form a good partnership with the sales reps. They're not uh, usually too much of a pain. But yeah, there's some parts of this that are just and, and I thought like I understand the sales process. I understand the world, at, at least at a high level. Um, and I think some of it is just it's, it's not good part of your pitch. It's just not this is not a help. You think it's helping you drive some metric that you're getting judged on, but it's not actually helping to close anything. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's got to work because otherwise I wouldn't see it everywhere. Right. It's well, I mean, there's I there's the baseline practices. I'll tell you another one that that sort of drives me nuts is the the wishy washy hand wringing, string it out as long as I possibly can without actually giving you a real quantifiable dollar figure number for how much oh, this is going to cost. Oh my gosh. Where I they, want- where they, where it's like, just tell me how much it's going to cost. And then you get this long diatribe of uh, everything that they've talked about and everything you want and everything it'll do and all this future stuff. And then uh, eventually they, they, you, you like, you have to squeeze the number out of them. I'll tell you what, you know what I really respect? I really respect when they just go, here's the number. This is what it is. Yes. Here's how much it costs. Oh here's why. Gosh. Like if you just go right, go right to it the is source. Not- it's okay. Caveat. It is okay to collect information and say, and you know, okay, I need to know what you're doing so that I can get my you know, to to get the pricing appropriate, depending on the number of seats and how long you're going to you know, do you want to sign a one year deal or is this a three year deal? Are you going to pay in advance or using P? There's all mm-hmm. sorts of crap. That, that That's fair. You can, That's fair. Totally fine. You get all that information and then you and put give me a number. The number in front of me. <clears throat> That's all I need yeah. you to do. <laughs> yeah. Without all the hand wringing. Without all the hand wringing. Yeah. And I'll go a step further and say you are not helping your chances of getting contacted by me if you don't just put the pricing on the damn site. 
Oh, I know. Show me. And I understand the theory. I know why are we going to people are going to see it. Oh, but then you know what? Don't overinflate your list price, knowing that you're going to come down during negotiation to win the contract. Put the price you actually want to get from people on the site and then people won't self exclude at your overly inflate. I can't stand this like, oh, we're going to write, you know, the, the blouses on the rack and we're going to write four hundred dollars and then cross it off and put thirty nine in red marker to make it seem like a deal. I know what the thing is worth. Like, don't don't put 400 on the website, then put 39 like or at least come down into a reasonable range. <laughs> That's it's like everybody it, this it's I don't. And you know me, I don't I don't like playing the game and I, I don't participate very well. I'm not a good I'm not a good player at that game. I just <laughs> brass tacks. Come I've on. seen I've seen the, the middle ground I've seen is um, where they have they have listed on the site prices, especially for services that you can purchase right away. But if you go beyond if you're looking for a very specific set of features, you know, high level enterprise, you know, this typically happens, you know, call for pricing for the enterprise level plan mm-hmm. because you need a lot of seats or you or need a certain, some special number of users, number yeah, of users or special consideration. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, OK, I'm yeah. dealing with a feature do- set or a license tranche that puts you into the clearly into the enterprise bucket. But OK, at least let me see where the process mm-hmm. starts. Right. You know. Bronze and then bronze is one dollar and silver is two dollars. Call for gold. Okay, thank you. At least I'm in the like. At least I know where to orient my compass and sextant in the sky. Right, right. And you've got at least a notion of okay. Well, it'll probably cost maybe a little more than two bucks since I'm getting this higher level plan. But I would expect that price to actually be dependent somewhat on. These other this volume these, discount, these, so these forth, volume right? yeah, discounts, or yeah. or you know, more ideally, you actually list everything, and then it's if you have high level seat requirements or you know some special yeah. feature, then then we talk about it. And so you're getting this gold plan plus something, and so at least right. you, you know, like you've got all that information out there. That was the one thing that um, I guess it's a I don't know how good of an example it is, but you remember the you remember the car Saturn? Remember Saturn cars? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, for our younger viewers, Saturn was a uh, was a line of vehicles. <laughs> this was an automobile uh, manufacturer. Auto, uh, yes. This was a, a, a motorized carriage that uh, <laughs> <laughs> back back be- back in my back day before before the year two thousand. <laughs> we must keep this from the serfs, lest they gain literacy and threaten the landed gentry. <laughs> so. <laughs> So Saturn, uh, I think I think Saturn was GM. Yeah, it was part of the GM line. And they were trying to do some some things a little a little differently with that one, with uh, with the Saturn line, with the Saturn line. The sticker price was the price. You didn't go in. Mm -hmm. You didn't haggle. You didn't negotiate or anything like that. It was this is the price. It was trying to make it a highly commoditized process. And so you didn't do all this negotiation crap. Uh, And uh, that was one of the potential perceived draws of it now they eventually scrapped the line i would have to look up why i'm sure it had to do with sales now did those lack of sales have to do with the vehicles or the pricing structure you know i i don't know but um but that was one of the things that they did in in, in a market where everything has the <clears throat> the list the sticker price 
okay, here's the sticker price. Show me what you actually, you know, show me your your purchase price. And, you know, this negotiation back and forth, oh, you'll throw in this trade. Oh, the the anti-theft etching on the windows. And oh, wow, that's great. Uh, Tell me more about how this theft etching on a window prevents my car from being stolen in the first place. That's amazing. Tell me more about that undercarriage protection. Oh, wheel locks? Sign me up for an extra $3,000 set of wheel locks. My goodness. Uh (laughs) Well, so, isn't this, it isn't uh, in our boy, uh, Tony, St- I mean, Elon, isn't he uh, trying to fight? Like, is that the whole deal with Tesla? Like you, it's n- that they're not, de- he's trying to fight that they, that around the dealerships. Like we don't need that system. He's trying, you what, just order the car and then you buy the car and then you have the car. He's doing well, well, cause the he, problem with Saturn, I don't, I don't know about the business side, but the, the cars were crap. The cars and were crap. So, yeah, like that. we're, we're better off. We're better off not having Saturns on the road. I can tell you that. <laughs> But uh, I don't know why the business. I don't know what happened to them as a as a company. But well, I think I'm, I think Tesla was was fighting some of these battles too. Well, they, I mean they are, and you can you buy they they're trying to basically take the way that you purchase an an iPhone and and apply that to cars. But the problem and and I and I think that's a I think it's a good thing. It's a it's a commodity that it's gets commodity. manufactured and sold for a set cost. Why? Yeah, right, I agree. there's a whole. OK, okay so, so there are there are podcasts, there are books. Uh, Adam Ruins Everything is a good TV show. He did an episode on car dealerships while the whole thing is a giant scam. I mean, oh, yeah, it's a huge it's yeah, a huge scam. So very well documented. So, so, I mean, he is, you know, you know, our, our, our boy Elon Stark is uh, is is certainly in the right as far as that goes. <laughs> However, however, the, the the hang up I've got with Tesla's uh, aside from, you know, the I, I'm very much in the I, I'm very much a wait and see when it comes to new technologies, like new operating systems. I'm never I'm never first in line for them. New phones. I'm never first in line. I'll let some other idiot. They call it the bleeding edge for a reason. I'll let some other idiot go in front of me. Let him get speared. And then once they fix the problems, then I'll pick it up. I do that with practically everything so i'm always as somebody who's been using ios since like version three uh never download the dot o always wait for the dot o dot one or maybe even the dot o dot two which will be coming in about a week just hold on until that happens yeah you never don't wind up with a brick exactly so never never touch that never touch that leading edge stuff um but uh you know one of the things that uh, I don't like about the way that the Teslas are going aside from the, the battery and the technology stuff, that's wait and see. I don't like the way that they're, they're trying to position the, the, the car because it's actually the way that the agreements are set up is that you don't actually own the car. You have, is it, is it a like formal a, lease or is it's it like something a li- else? It's like a license they're doing. So it's, they're trying to do the same way you get a software license is how the how some of the tesla documentation reads john deere got in the got yeah, in well he's about water. to get he's about to get a, a right to repair bill up his rear end if that's if that's the case right and so I mean, john deere got into trouble doing the same thing where they yeah. a couple of years ago they tried to forever change, now they tried to change the pricing structure so that you didn't actually buy the tractor you you would lease the tractor and or like you, you bought the, a you, you bought a limited lifetime license to operate it, but you could not. You had to do all these other things. To, and yeah, well, they, yeah. they made it where like you owned the physical equipment, but you didn't own the software and the software runs the right. entire thing. And so if you don't own the software, you effectively don't own it at all. And they were trying to do this thing where they actually retained retained ownership and control. And it's mm-hmm. 
it's nasty gray area stuff. And I, you know, no, I, it's not it's not gray area. It is morally reprehensible. The things that they do in the name of profit because they're trying to become a services business instead of a product business. And I will take a stand. I will go on the record and say that this is a crummy way to do business and they're wrong and they should be beat by this bill. Well, it's it's a. Uh, look, hmm. the sticker, the sticker on the we have. OK, so we're in the northeast United States. We have problems with these uh, these spotted lantern flies eating up all the maple trees and everything else everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so we found this. Uh, they have it's called the bug assault. It's this. Oh, I have one of those like yes. rifle that you pour. You just pour table salt in the top and then it's a pump action. It's like a salt shaker shotgun. Friggin' love mine. Love it. That you can take these bugs. All right. It's a great solution. It's nice and eco friendly and all this kind it's of stuff. And it's just fun. fun to blast bugs oh to pieces gosh, that, you know, it's so great. Anyway, there's a little sticker. I don't know if there's a little sticker. I just wanted an excuse to talk about the bug assault, by yes. the way, by at least version three. I don't know if there's a newer end of the market, um, <laughs> but there's a little sticker on the bottom that will say, you know, warranty void if sticker broken. That is everybody has a hard on for making physical world analogies to the software industry. That sticker warranty void if broken. That is the analogy to use with software integrated hardware products that you put on the market. You want to buy your John Deere tractor and you want to get support and you want to get help and you want to be able to bring this in every three months for service or every year for a checkup or you want us to deal with any software issues, firmware patches, Mm -hmm. bugs that come up or anything else that needs to go on. That is fine. If you want to go off and uh, solder some pins and reverse engineer and fix the firmware yourself, great. But the sticker is broken and we're not going to help you clean up the mess unless you pay a healthy premium. I don't understand why that bifurcation is not already why that wasn't assumed to be a legally Mm -hmm. allowable path instead oh because then they can look at our software and that's guess what your software is crap just like everybody (laughs) else's nobody cares cars and if you think car software especially is garbage and ip garbage yeah and legal ip protections that's really going to keep your competitors from cracking it open and reversing it anyway and learning from it okay yeah there's also (laughs) cracking it open learning what exactly how bad you are at writing uh, software there's nothing there (laughs) it's just it 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 just and that people is what grinds my gears (laughs) oh man you're absolutely right you are you are absolutely right that's it that is a good that's a good analogy and that's the way it should play out yeah and this is you know the the effort to retain ownership of the software i think is you know i mean it, it is probably one part greed and and one part you know realistic support how are we you know it it, it yeah th- there is a th- i cannot be uh, expected to support a product that you mutilated in your basement right that's but, fair <laughs> you know right but also i cannot by the same token it's unrealistic for average joe to support average modern day car because it is 90 percent software at this point there's so much there's so much computer there are multiple yeah. multiple computers inside of these things there's oh, dude, no not multiple. Way. If you're buying a car today, there are at least three dozen separate computer systems in that vehicle. Like, yeah. No lie. There are 30 or 40 controllers inside of that vehicle. Exactly. How are you supposed to be able to learn and Era support of the maintain? backyard mechanic is gone. It's gone. Right. And so this is a this notion of licensing the vehicle is a natural extension of that because if you can't actually do anything with the vehicle anyway, do you actually 
own it? Do you actually want to own it? And I mean, we've got leasing. And so there is a there's there is already a yeah, but, path for that. But you already so. you already said you already said like iPhone, right? I own my iPhone. Yeah, but doesn't it's Apple, a brick without Apple's, the software. Yeah, but Apple makes some makes some pretty. I mean, I, I remember Apple getting in some hot water about this same issue a couple years ago, unless my, you know, if memory serves that you know they, they got were, in trouble for the battery thing is that what you're thinking of was that where you like you weren't allowed to replace it right you, if what? if they effectively made it such that you cannot replace the battery yeah and they right. got they got in trouble for that right um with some software and then i th- i think the real i think the the real like that was the public outcry but the actual suit came through and i believe it was the the uh what do they call it uh oh crap the term left my mind i'm gonna sound like an idiot uh, planned deprecation what is that term uh planned obsolescence um oh, okay. the the planned obsolescence that the batteries were only engineered to last 18 months into it it was should have been a two-year device and so and then they came out and now they show you how your battery health is performing and they're super transparent about the way that it falls off the cliff after 18 months in a day um yeah, I think that was the I think that was the 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 material portion of the suit. But the public outcry was like, oh, we can't replace them. We should be able to. And, uh, you know, whatever. Well, I've tried to but again, tr- even in the iPhone, like if I want to root my iPhone and do whatever I want to it, there's no there's nothing legally that says I can't do that except. Oh, wait, by the way, the uh, the, uh, the DMCA. Because Apple has taken steps and does routinely try to defend against reverse engineering or rooting the device, that constitutes a DMCA control, which makes it a violation of federal law technically to root your iPhone because they try to make you not do it or they try to make it not allowable and circumventing that violates DMCA. At least that's my I'm not a lawyer. That's my understanding. That, of the situation. And that, to, that to me, I, I mean, th- that that sounds like like that sounds like BS to me because you can't like I. It, I own that device. I can do whatever the heck I want to it. You cannot tell me that it's a DMCA violation for me to put software onto a device that I own. Like it, by by I that, think, I believe that's technically technical. I don't know. I don't believe they've ever. Lo- yeah, I was going to say. It. I would love to see them try and defend that in court. I would love to see them. But DMCA is not just like, oh, protecting MP3s of the White Album. DMCA actually goes a lot farther than that. And it does apply right. to situations like this. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's the, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, that's a yeah, DMCA we, is we're not, do we need to cut this off before we veer actually hardcore into like, yeah, law because <laughs> I don't want to, I definitely don't, well, I don't want to go into pat, ugh, oh, software patents oh, and DMCA. Dude, I just tried to have a vacation. I can't come back to, to this. <laughs> this is, this is too, too much for me, <laughs> man. Well, if you're a former backyard mechanic or if you have any experience with John Deere tractors, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that at feedback at refactor.work. You can even uh, record voice record on your phone and email that to us. We'll play it on the show, comma, maybe. Uh, you can Don't find all idiot. of our back episodes. Well, you can be an idiot. We'll, I mean, we'll make fun of you either way. You can try not to be. We'll make you out to be one. So don't worry about that, my friend. <laughs> uh, so you can find back episodes, archives, show notes, recommendations at refactor.work. Uh, you can find more of Frank's online personality at www.hotcoehls.com. Myself at chris.tunkinson.com. This has been episode 30. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.